Fort Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improved. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land. This is Herb White at the Charlotte Post. And today on Sports Charlotte, we're going to talk about a new documentary by award-winning director Thomas Morgan, who tells the real-life story of Queens University of Charlotte championship-winning rugby coach Frank McKinney. The name of the movie is Scrum, and it follows McKinney, who's one of the first black college rugby coaches in the country, as he confronts obstacles on and off the field to build a championship national championship, mind you, winning team with the Royals. He's been on the job four years and already has accomplished so much. And it's the inspiration behind this documentary. And I had a chance to talk to him about it. How are you doing today? Good about yourself. I'm fine. Thanks. I appreciate you uh, joining me today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for the invite. So let's talk a little bit about a couple of things. Okay. Documentary, Scrum, obviously, is out now, and you've done all the trappings of Hollywood with the red carpet treatment and everything. <laughs> uh, did you ever think that you would wind up as the subject of a documentary? No. No, and the guy who made the documentary, I told him, I'm just a coach. Like, I don't, there's no story here. I told him three or four times, there's no story here. Like, I don't, I don't know why. And um, the documentary film guy has done about 16 documentaries. And he's gone to like Nepal, uh, uh, some other some other country. Like, he's gone to these countries that are like, you know, he says in his bio, if, if, if I can't be killed or arrested, then I'm not making the right story. <laughs> and obviously, we're in, we're in Myers Park. So, I don't, I don't know a lot of people getting killed or arrested in Myers Park. So... <laughs> Well, I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, but when you look at how all of this started, I mean, kind of walk me through that. Were you approached or was it just that the filmmakers just say, well, you know what? We hear tell of a really good story out here in Myers Park and we're going to put together a documentary. No. Um, so really what happened was uh, the, the, the documentary filmmaker is Thomas Morgan. Um, and I think he, he doesn't, this is not part of the story he does, but I think he was between films. I think he had, he had just come off a really great film in Sufra about a lady in uh, Beirut who had a food truck and she tried to get a loan and she was a, she was a uh, refugee in a refugee camp. Like, I mean, that's the kind of stories he tells homeless, you know, a lady who takes in kids that are supposed to be, their parents are incarcerated in Nepal and the kids are supposed to go to jail with them. So she takes the kids in like, that's the kind of stories he tells. But what he said was what he's trying to do is he's going to put together some film and just use the film, give it to me for recruiting and just say, Hey, I was going to, I was going to, he's going to film some stuff, give it to me for recruiting. And, and then that was going to be the end of it. And I was like, okay. So he's, you know, he showed up at five 30 in the morning. We have morning practice, showed up in the afternoon to so film some stuff. And then one day he comes to me and he goes, Hey, I think there's a story. And I said, no, I'm, I'm a coach, man. I'm, there's a lot of coaches in the country, a lot of coaches in the world. I'm a, co- I'm a coach. He said, no, I, th- I think your story is very unique. And then talk me through each part of the story. And then what got more interesting is 
as we went through it, he said, you know, um, I'd like to, and we'd been friends. So he kind of knew my life. He said, you know, I, I want to interview your dad. And I was like, Oh no, you know, cause my dad's a ex military 31 years, you know, strict guy. Uh, I want to interview, uh, the, the love interest that I had at that time. Um, and then what really turned the movie is that the George Floyd murder happened. And as we, you know, this is where he had shot a bunch of stuff and I called him and said, we got to talk about race. Like, like we've got to talk about race. Like we've got to talk about it. And Tom's one of these guys. He's like, you're right. How do we do it? Like, what are you, what are you seeing? What do you think? And we started talking all about it. And I said, we've got to talk about race. We've got to talk how this movie is going to impact people uh, in terms of, you know, what I'm doing, you know, just the whole nine yards. So that's when the movie really turned. I think that's when the movie really became, in my opinion, very good, very compelling. Um, so that's kind of how the story was all put together. And that's part of the narrative of America now in 2020, 2021, where race and equity are now a big deal. White folks are actually talking about it now. Yes. Yeah, let's, let's, <laughs> I agree. I agree. And so when you look at it from that standpoint, you know, and I saw the, uh, the preview of, uh, of Scrum, that struck me as well. When you talk about here you are at Queens in Myers Park, and some would argue, you know, maybe fairly or unfairly, you judge for yourself, maybe the whitest part of Charlotte. Here's this black head coach of an Olympic sport, rugby, who, you know, kind of shows up on the scene, brings these kids together, you know, has a national championship. I mean, you've only been there, what, four years now? Something like that. Uh, that's an awful lot to process. But it seems like you've done a good job of making it work. Yeah, I think what makes the story even more compelling, I'm the only um, uh, African-American male coach there. Um, I'm one of, I, I think there's... I may be the only African-American uh, men's rugby coach in collegiate rugby. Uh, and then I am the first, and this, this comes out in the movie, I'm the first uh, African-American coach to win a national championship uh, on the college ranks in, in men's rugby. And men's rugby, a lot of people don't know this, it's been around over 100 years in, in the U.S., mm -hmm. uh, over 100 years. So, yeah, um, granddaddy of American rules football. Yes. Yes. And there's, there's a lot of weird things in, in us football that's really in rugby. So like touchdown in rugby, you've got to go touch the ball down. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called football where you're really not really, you only kick minimal times in football, but it's called football. You know, so there's a lot of weird, there's a lot of interesting parts uh, that you'll see terminology that you'll see in American football. That's really in rugby. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the, your situation, you know, like you said, you know, Queens is the first school in the state to uh, put together a, a varsity rugby program. How did you wind up at Queens? And kind of give me some of that backstory in terms of your rugby experience. Were you a player or did you, uh, are you dead last or you were doing something else and then all of a sudden you were just recruited to Queens to launch a new sport? Yeah, I think Ted Lasso, I, I watched Ted Lasso and I always, I always, I laugh at the show. I think it's, I don't think you can come in and coach a sport if you, it's tough not to have played it. Now the, the greatest football coach arguably is Bill Belichick and he played lacrosse. So I was a, I was a young man who played a lot of sports growing up. 
And uh, my dad was in the Navy and traveled uh, going to see. So my mom signed me up for soccer. Then um, I tried baseball, tried football, and then I really took to soccer and became a really good soccer player. Uh, and I was supposed to go to college uh, at Belmont Abbey. Uh, I did go to college at Belmont Abbey, but I was supposed to play soccer there. Uh, and I showed up and I wasn't in shape. I didn't do the off-season workout. So they're running sprints and I'm all behind. And the coach says, hey, come back next season. Get in shape. Come back next season. I said, okay. And I went out and met these guys that played rugby. Fast forward, I ended up being the captain and the actual president my senior year. Uh, we did very well. And then I graduated and played in a men's league in Charlotte called Charlotte Rugby Club. And we had like probably a four or five year uh, stint where we played in what was called the Super League. And the Super League was a... Uh, it was the top level in the U.S., but it was more semi-pro. Uh, you weren't getting paid. Uh, we had to pay for our own trips and practice with these really high-level players. And probably in four years out of maybe 15 games, maybe started two games and maybe it was a sub for two other games. Um, and then in the fall, they would play Division One. They'd play Division One and then Super League. So I played a lot of games in, in Division One, um, And I played rugby in the, in the men's league for probably about 15 years. Um, so add that with my college experience, you know, I was, I, I was love rugby and was really unique to me about rugby is I didn't see any people of color, rarely, rarely saw somebody of color. And if you did on the rugby field, you're like, Hey, I remember them. And like one of my close friends played for Raleigh and he was an African-American guy and we played the same position and we'd kill each other for 80 minutes. And then we'd hang out because it was like, we knew that, man, Hey, not a lot of brothers are playing rugby. Mm-hmm. What happened to me, though, is I said, I want people of color. I think this is a great sport and I want to get people of color playing, playing the sport. So I got into high school and I coached at Myers Park High School. Um, and that was my first coaching job. And Myers Park is a very, very, very unique school in terms of you have really rich and you have really poor all in the same school. And what's really unique is that a lot of the rich kids are not in the same classes with the poor kids. So I would ask rich kid, hey, do you see X, Y, Z? So I haven't seen them. And that's because they really weren't in the same classes. So I did that. And then I ended up coaching a team called the Charlotte Tigers, which was more of a uh, almost like a I don't want to say all star, but more of like a club sport where they pulled kids from different things. And then I ran the all star program for the state. So I ran the, the best players in the state I ran for four years. So during all that, Queens decided they wanted to start a rugby program. Um, and they really what they want to do is start uh, five sports. Um, there's a high concentration of women and they wanted more males. And, and the bigger thing you'll see in America, and I don't know if a lot of people see this, but small schools are trying to increase enrollment. They're trying to increase headcount. So what they do is they bring in sports. And when they bring in sports, it increases headcount. So rugby was one of the sports that they wanted to do. So they they started four male sports and one female sport. So uh, it was baseball, wrestling, uh, men's volleyball, men's rugby, women's rugby were the sports that they started. So um, I interviewed uh, and they brought in another candidate who's actually a friend of mine who I played with, who was a very high level coach, uh, Caucasian guy. Um, and I don't know, he was doing some stuff for the U.S. national junior teams um, and I don't know, you know, the, what the AD always told me is I seem really enthusiastic. I think he was kind of figuring out how does this all, how does this school want to start a program and all that stuff. So I was fired up. I came in, I was like, Hey, let's do this. You know, I want to do it. So I got hired. And then, um, in, uh, two 2017 and we won a national championship in two years and 10 months. So, uh, we never did the research, but I have a, I have a feeling that's probably the fastest 
that a team in uh, men's rugby in college from inception to national championship, that may be the fastest it's ever happened. And then when you look at it from the standpoint of, okay, it's a brand new sport, you go out and you win a national championship. Why don't people know more about rugby for starters? And then looking at it from a ground level, why is a Queens rugby a bigger thing? And by extension, why aren't you a bigger thing, even locally? Good question. So I think rugby, uh, I think rugby was, was the soccer when I grew up, when I grew up, soccer was a sport that high schools had it, but it was, you know, it was not mainstream and it took time and it grew and grew and grew. And now there's a, a almost a mainstream professional league in the U S uh, and it just took time. And I think that's what you're seeing in rugby. So you're seeing a lot of small schools add rugby. And what's interesting is there's a lot of colleges that have rugby, and it's a club sport. So people always say, oh, you know, you know, you're a varsity team playing club teams. Well, I think there's a little bit of a misconception there because we're at a school with 2,100 students, 60% plus are women. So when you start a rugby program, I can't go around and hand out pamphlets and go, hey, you want to play rugby? You want to play rugby? You want to play rugby? Where UNCC is 20,000 plus, even maybe bigger than that school, where I think if you set out there in an afternoon, you could, you could, you know, you could put together – put together an army. Um, so what happens is Queens is a, is a private school. Um, we get partial scholarships. So uh, for me, it's going out and starting a program. So why is rugby not bigger in Queens in terms of why is Queens rugby not out there bigger, bigger name? Um, I think what's happening, I think if you come to some of our games, we played Clemson one day. And I think that was like, I mean, the, the stadium was packed. I mean, there's people everywhere. They probably had about five local kids that played that went to Clemson. And then the Queens team had some local kids. Um, I feel like, you know, and this is my personal opinion. I feel like the word's getting out. I feel like more people are, under, are, are, are getting the word. Um, I think for me, excuse me, you said, why am I not bigger? I, I don't really ever want the notoriety. You know, I want the team to be promoted. I want young men to graduate. I want them to get good jobs. I want them to be good citizens. Uh, I could care less. I mean, I'm um, my my gift is when they walk across the stage and get a diploma. My gift is when they get a great job. Um, my my gift is when they become good fathers and they become uh, positive people in, in society. But now, having said that, this documentary isn't going to hurt you. <laughs> You know, <laughs> in terms of the notoriety. And I guess the other side of that is, you know, in, in I've covered rugby at various levels, um, you know, like Super League. I've, I've written about Super League in the past. I've covered it on the high school level here in Charlotte. Uh, West Mecklenburg, for instance, has, yeah. has a really good program. Yeah. So, you know, when you, you know, the one thing with the exception of, the West Mecklenburg program, you know, and you see the players who line up with these clubs, you know, they're overwhelmingly white for the most part. Uh, the coaches are white. Do you walk out there and does that strike you as a little odd that, that a sport like rugby doesn't have more diversity in terms of the, the athletes that it should be getting? 
I think what's interesting, and I, I was talking to somebody yesterday, in the U.S. is probably 15th in the world, you know, 12 to 15, 12 to 16. And there's this top echelon of, of teams. It's New Zealand, South Africa, England, Australia, and they're in the one to seven every year. And the problem is the U.S. gets the sixth or seventh best athletes. Like when you go to a high school, your best athletes are probably playing football. Then they're probably playing basketball, you know, and it trickles down. And then, you know, rugby are the guys that, hey, I don't want to mess up my football career, so I can't play rugby. When they don't realize when you're 5'10 and you run a 4'640, you ain't going to a D1 school. It just, just I mean, the odds are very low unless, unless there's something weird about you. If you're 5'10, you run a 4'6, you're not going to go. But rugby, 5'10, 4'6, you can do a lot of good stuff. Um, but I think what's really happening is that I think athletes are starting to see, hey, if I play a couple sports, there's an opportunity I can open more doors. Um, but football coaches are selling the dream. Man. You got to get, get a D1 scholarship. Gotta, and once again, if you're 5'10 and you run a 4'6, you're probably not going to get a D1 scholarship. Unless you're a kicker, maybe. <laughs> yeah, unless yeah, unless you're a kicker, there's got to be something weird. Unless, you know, we, we brought in a running back. We, we brought in a, a running back from South Florida. And the guy was probably 5'6", five, 5'. Yeah, probably 5'6", ran a 4'640". Um, and was probably one of the top rugby players in the country, uh, played at a very large South Florida school, was a running back that was probably one of the best running backs in the city, uh, played DN a little bit and was a dominating DN, but got zero D1 scholarships because of his size and his speed. And it just, that was just the reality. He played at one of the biggest Florida schools, I think 5A, 6A, whatever the crazy numbers they have down there, and was not going to get a D1 scholarship. So I think, you know, what I'm hoping is happening is that we're bringing in more diversity. I know in my program, diversity is that's one of the top things we do in, in recruiting. I want all different types of kids. And we bring in poor, lower socioeconomic kids every year. And it's a challenge because Queens is expensive. Um, you know, and I don't and sometimes I always wonder, are we really set up to bring in kids like this? Um, but it's something I'm, I'm passionate about. So I figured out I've got an MBA. Um, you know, I, and I'm a finance guy. So I always try to, I connect the dots. Now it's not easy. It, it's tough because you got to get financial aid and then their bills have to be paid. So it's, it's, a, and I always say, oh man, it'd be a lot easier if we were, had all rich kids. It'd be a lot. And there's a lot of sports. There's a lot of sports at Queens that have a lot of affluent kids. And I had a coach ask me one day, he said, how much you get for a Pell Grant? Now, when you don't know how much you get for a Pell Grant and you're a coach, you do not recruit lower income kids. You don't. I can tell you what a Pell Grant is in my sleep. If you if you woke me up at six in the morning and said, Frank, how much is a Pell Grant? I can tell you because Pell Grant kids are lower income kids and they get federal money for coming to college. So um, I'm hoping the sport's becoming more diverse. If you look at our team, we're very diverse. Our coaching staff is diverse. Our players are diverse. And it's just not skin color. Uh, it's also socioeconomics. It's parts of the world. But Excuse me. We have African-American, good uh, population African-Americans. we got Latino. Um, we have one kid who is uh, half Asian, half white. Um, we got kids from Australia, uh, England, South Africa. Um, so we're very, very diverse. But my goal is for them, when they look across the circles, not to see color, but to see guys that have, that have worked on their craft and that, that have uh, put a lot of time in to be good. And I think that that's one of the major selling points for sports period you know that it brings people together 
from all over the place. You know, you can does. be from, you know, you can be somebody who grew up in Myers Park and you're playing with a kid maybe from Babies Ford Road, you know, that kind yes. of thing, or from clean across the world. And it's the thing where that particular sport, that that suffering, that working together, that blood, sweat, and tears, and that shared experience that brings people together. Is that something yes. that, that you see with the sport? And is that just something that happens with all sports? Yeah, I think with difference in what I'm doing, I'm not saying I have a better mousetrap or I have a better equation, but my final goal is I didn't get into coaching to win games. And I say that all the time. That's counterintuitive, you know. It, it's way counterintuitive. But I, I, I have this whole process where I focus on the ingredients, right? And I see coaches all the time going, you got to win, you got to win, you got to win, you got to win. But my thing is if, if the ingredients are top notch, then the cake will be phenomenal. But if I just focus on the cake and don't focus on the ingredients, then the cake's going to be subpar. So for me, my main goal, yeah, sports is a fine – there's a finite amount of time that a young person is going to play sports. And what happens is coaches don't care about them. High school, college. I ask coaches all the time, "What's what's the what's your what's the young man's GPA?" And you would have thought I asked him an SAT question. <laughs> I have I, I have probably forty plus students. Um, so take this year out of the equation. I could tell you their high school GPA and their current GPA. This year is a little rougher because I've got I've got a larger roster. When I had 25, 30, now we're getting over forty. Uh, it's a little tougher, but grades are very important. And I've I've benched kids because they're not doing the right thing in school. So for me, the sports thing is, is, is a gateway, but you know, four years they're done. I mean, what kind of person are they? So I'm focusing on them getting a diploma. We've had over 3.0 team GPA for the last two years. That's one of the team goals that we set. And that's something that's very important to me. Um, and we play a lot of teams that everybody looks the same. And that's been a dream of mine for me to have a diverse team walk out against a team that all looks the same and see how things, see how, see how things go. And that's been a dream of mine. Um, and there's, there's, you know, our team doesn't look like the rest of the teams at Queens. They, they just don't. We are, we have all these calls and we want to do this and we want to do that. And I love uh, how the school is working on stuff, but there's a lot of teams that look the same. Um, and the school is really working on, it. they've talked about it and they're, they have committees and all that stuff. And I, for me, I just, you know, I've, it's been a goal. It's been a passion to make sure I have a diverse team. Do you find a, on occasion or more frequently uh, where people look at you and they say, you know, that dude's black, you know, and he's the head coach. <laughs> Is that something that you notice? Uh, you talked about the lack of diversity with other teams, even at Queens, much less other schools. And does that ever filter over to you where it's like, well, you know what? I'm the only black head coach doing this sport around here, you know, whether you're playing Clemson or whoever else, does that stick out to you? Oh, it, well, it sticks out. So, and, 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 you know, you know this, right. Whatever you, I feel like in America, when you're an African-American people, uh, people don't think you, you, you drive the ship, right. They, they don't think you drive the ship. So I've been at dinner parties and they say, Oh, are you one of the coaches? I said, Oh yeah, I am one of the coaches. And they go, oh, okay, you know, how big is the staff? Yeah, it's about three of us. How's the head coach? Yeah, he's not really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, you go to dinner parties and, and then you'll see people out. But what's funny is, you know, a lot of the janitorial staff you'll see are African-American and Latino. 
and I'll pull up in the parking garage. You're like, Hey coach, Hey coach, Hey coach. You know, and that's always a good feeling. I'm always, you know, high five and I'm saying hi. Um, and to me, you know, people always, I I've gone to tournaments and, uh, there's, there's something in the movie where, you know, I'd met the coach and after the game, he went to one of the, went to the assistant coach that's not African-American and said, Hey, you know, good game, you know, uh, Frank, you know, after I've talked to him on the phone and met him in person, you know, so yeah, it's funny. It's funny. But for me, you know, just, I keep moving the team forward every year. The, the, the thing I told them last year is that stole this from Jeff Bezos, the, the CEO of Amazon. I said, today is the first day, which meant whatever we did in the past doesn't count. We've got to continue to grow from now. So, excuse me. Yeah, I get it all the time. I've had people say, oh, black, black head rugby coach, man. What, what, why would you get into that? Uh, but me, it's a passion. Yeah. So they don't confuse you and say, well, you know what? You like you should be coaching football or something else. Oh, of course they do. <laughs> of course they do. I get that all. What sport do you coach? I say rugby. And you would think you would think I asked them uh, to to recite the Pythagorean theorem. They were just they're like rugby, you know, and, and to me, it's like, you know, I coach. My mom was in education um, and I feel like more of a teacher. Cause we're, you're, I'm teaching young men. I want them. My, my goal is for young men to be better, to, to help them to be better. So that, that, that's where it all being a rugby coach, that's where it all comes together. In terms of the, the future, knowing that nobody can really foretell any of this stuff, kind of give me an idea of where you would like to see Queens rugby go down the road. I mean, you've already won a national championship. So, you know, your legacy is secure, <laughs> but where do you see this leading? Yeah. I'd love to be a top 10 team in the country, which is, which is pretty crazy uh, considering there are teams that have been around for over a hundred years. There's teams that are a lot, a lot of teams, a lot more funded, a lot better funded. Um, but I'd love to be a top 10, 10 team in the U S in division one. Um, and that's, that's a big challenge. Um, but what's interesting though, is we're, we're working towards that. We've, we've played, uh, the Naval Academy, which is a well-funded program. They have three fields, one turf, two grass, just for the rugby program. Um, and you know, we lost by 13 points, which if you think about, uh, football scores, similar scores, we've played uh, West Point, which has an $8 million rugby facility. They have a turf field and a grass field just for rugby. We lost by 20 to them, uh, and we were in the game a lot. We've played Life University, which has two rugby fields, one turf, one grass. Uh, we are up 57 minutes out of 80 minutes. Um, so the goal is to be a top 10, 10, top 10 team in the country um, in Division One. That That's the goal. And you can jump divisions in rugby easier than you can in uh, other sports. But Queens has actually done a, a feasible, you know, I don't even know if it's public, but they're, they've, they've looked at uh, going division one for the entire school for all of athletics. Oh, really? Okay. And so to put a nice bow on this, you know, what brought us together today was a documentary. Is Scrum Oscar worthy? Uh, knowing that documentaries are, you know, Documentaries are hot these days. Sports documentaries are even hotter. Is is this the type of movie that will that will garner that kind of recognition? So the guy that made the movie, that was a goal of his when he first made it. And he's I mean, if you if you search his 
his name. He's won a ton of film festivals and won a ton of awards. And he has said to me three or four times, um, he thinks this could be his best movie. High praise from the film. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And obviously great subject. So anybody who is not aware of it or hasn't seen it yet should uh, definitely go out and do that. And so, uh, Coach McKinney, I do appreciate you taking the time to talk to yeah, me. Yeah, thank you. And uh, let's get together sometime and uh, maybe catch some rugby. Definitely. Let's definitely do it. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. You have yourself a great day. You do the same. Thank you. Our thanks to Queens rugby coach Frank McKinney for joining us on Sports Charlotte. And thank you for joining us as well as a listener. Be sure to check us out on our website, www.thecharlottepost.com, as well as our social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Oh, the list goes on and on. There's just so much of it out there. Uh, even TikTok now. Uh, so join us and read the post. And if you read it, hopefully you will become a subscriber or even a donor. We need all the donations we can get because good, solid journalism should be supported. And we need your support to stay on track with our mission. So, again, from everybody here at the office in wonderful Dorita, my name is Herb White. Thanks for listening. Sport Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improved.